You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Pirate fans, welcome into the show tonight in what is a all of a sudden a week eight edition of Sonny and Semenza here and college football season moving right along. And, you know, the East Carolina Pirates coming off a huge, huge four overtime win in Greenville, certainly something they could build a little momentum off of. And with that said, let me go ahead and welcome in my partner here, Jay Sunhalter. Jay, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Gosh, that was a huge win Saturday for the Pirates and uh, another big one coming up Saturday and should be a bunch of other good games around college football. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. And, uh, you know, I I was actually – I had a chance to, to, to go to the game in, in Greenville. You know, I get down there maybe once a year if I'm lucky. And uh, I'll tell you, man, I got my money's worth, Jay, because that was the game that just wouldn't end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the longest game I've ever attended in person, but uh, the Pirates were able to prevail in, in, in four overtimes. Uh, did you have a chance to, to catch it, Jay, or were you working? I, I got back. Uh, I got back for part of the second half. Um, you uh, you need to come back this weekend, I think, too, right? <laughs> I would love to, man. I would love to because <laughs> this, this is a huge game. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, I had a blast. Um you know, it wasn't a huge crowd, Jay. I mean, it was pretty thin, actually, um, you know, when you compare it to, like, the NC State game and some other big games we've had. But I think the people who were there in attendance were loud and, and into the game. So it was a pretty pretty good atmosphere, um, you know, despite the, you know, the lag in attendance there. Well, as a, as a player, it's – I mean, you know this. It's so important to win every game, but especially homecoming games because it means a lot to the people coming back. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think after you win that one, this one just gets even bigger. So hopefully uh, hopefully the Pirates, you know, I mean, it's going to be a great game with UCF, but hopefully it's a great atmosphere and yeah, it should be a fun one. Yeah, there's no question about it, Jay. And, um, you know, uh, you know, before we kind of jump into it here, I uh, just wanted to mention that uh, because of some scheduling you know concerns we had to kind of shift the schedule around a little bit and have the show tonight on tuesday typically it's a wednesday show around eight o'clock but uh appreciate your flexibility for tuning in and um you know with that said jay as we do each and every week before we hop into um you know all the games here in week eight let's just do a little recap my friend so so here we go jay we're both 18 and 18 what do you think of that well, it could be worse, but it could be better. So <laughs> we were we were three and two last week, so we would have won some money if we did or didn't put anything down on the table. But I think we're sitting in a we're in a respectable spot, but now we got to take the next step. We do. That's a, that's that's a that's a good way to say it. I mean, here's how I look at it, Jay. Right? If we were gambling real money here, we we basically break even at this point. So we haven't lost. Um, and, and again, we're picking the, the toughest games every week. You know, we're not looking for like, you know, for just winners. We're picking the top five games every week in college football. So what we need to do is get over 500, buddy. Yeah, this is the week. I mean, the people are putting their trust in us. So we're 500. <laughs> that means everybody's 500. So 
we all need to get above. <laughs> I like it. And our, our producer, Jay Bubba, was talking a lot of trash before the show, and he basically said that his picks were far superior than ours. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. What are you thoughts What's on Bubba's that? record? What's Bubba's record? He said he's like thirty and fifteen. I don't. If I don't he's know. Thirty and fifteen. Then he needs to get on here, and we'll listen to him, and we'll make some money. <laughs> no question about it. I mean, I, I'll definitely. You know, I'll, I'll pay a little money for for somebody with that kind of record. You know, to make money every week. But uh, you know, Jay. Hey, with that said, um, you know, just as we do every week, just kind of looking, taking a step, and looking back at week seven here. Uh, obviously some huge games. I think none bigger than the Tennessee Volunteers getting it done at home against Alabama. Well, we learned that Tennessee's legit. Um, officially, you know, I'd say the top five team. And they're going to have something to say when they play Georgia, and we'll see what happens at the SEC race. But we originally thought it was just Georgia and Alabama. Now there's another team, at least one that's legit. and. Ole Miss is sitting right there inside the top 10, too, plus the other good teams in the league. So uh, that game was amazing. Just the atmosphere and everything behind the scenes was was awesome with game day being there and all. It really was. I mean, you could tell the fans in Knoxville have been starving for a breakthrough win like that. I mean, it's been a long time, man. It's, it's probably been 20 years or so since they've had a, you know, that type of a, of a win, that type of an atmosphere. They have a great fan base, awesome stadium. I thought it was pretty cool how they ripped down the goalpost and carried them, you know, through the streets and the town there too. I think everybody's still drunk from that game. <laughs> I think I would be too, you know. Uh, it's a pretty awesome uh, environment. But, um, yeah, I'll tell you, that, that game really stood out to me, Jay. And, um, you know, just kind of looking at some of the other – storylines of the week i think you know a few games i wanted to mention but jay how about the fact that the quarterback leary from nc state gets hurt goes down with an injury nc state goes up to the carrier dome and drops that game yeah they're in trouble i mean they their fan base you know and really because the preseason poll you know top 15 team they're going to be in trouble now because they still have some tough games coming up especially with your backup quarterback they still have Wake Forest, UNC, Louisville, so so some tough ball game. I agree. That's that's going to be a tough mountain to climb with the backup. I mean, he's he's dynamic with his feet, but he really seems to struggle when he has to read defenses and, and actually be a quarterback. Um, so their point production has gone way down since he's kind of been in that starting lineup. So that's that's definitely going to make it you know very difficult on NC State as the season goes on and. Um, you know, some, some of the other, you know, just, just a few notable games I wanted to mention. How about Old Dominion, Jay? Um, really beaten down coast, an undefeated Coastal team. Yeah, that was wild. I mean, that league is tough yeah. with the depth of the league. Old Dominion, Georgia Southern, I mean, Appalachian State, Coastal. I mean, it's just – that's a very deep league. It certainly is. I mean, it's and it's a, it's underrated. You know, it's just got this stigma about it. Like, oh, it's the Sun Belt. Oh, it's mid-major college football. This and that. There's every excuse in the book. And every time they play an opponent from a Power Five, you know, they they show up and they they win a good portion of the time and they always play well. So that's, uh, you know, I agree. Um, 
you know, a few more quick ones, you know, how about Notre Dame? Uh, you know, just really, in my opinion, a pathetic loss to Stanford, 16 to 14. Yeah, you can't happen? be doing that. That's bad. I mean, I know it's Freeman's first year, but you can't be losing that game at home. Agreed, agreed. They've been really Jekyll and Hyde, Jay. I mean, it seems like they just can't find any consistency offensively, and um, it's crazy how they're so up and down. And um, and then how about LSU, you know, going into the swamp and hanging 45 on the Gators. Talk about a team that's been up and down all year that we've really talked about. I think almost every week we've had LSU in one of our preview games, and, you know, you really don't know how to pick them, right? I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get week to week. Well, I think in year two and year three of Brian Kelly, they're going to be they're going to be really, really tough. I think right now they're still figuring it out, but I mean they're probably going to go yeah, eight and four, nine and three in year one after Orgeron kind of ran that down into the ground quickly and a lot of you know a lot of stuff going on there after the national championship in nineteen, and for him to get it turned around, be looking this solid. I mean, it just shows you how good of a coach he is. Yeah, 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 no doubt about it. So, um, and you've been really consistent with that, Jay. I mean, you've given you know Brian Kelly a lot of props on the show this year, and uh, I, I agree it's gonna it's gonna take him a few years to get it exactly how he wants it. But that's a program that is gonna be very dangerous in you know two three years, uh, as if they aren't now. But uh, so that's just a quick little recap of of week eight, Jay, and uh, excuse me, of week seven. Let's go ahead and look towards week eight. Bubba, if you want to throw the first game up on the screen here, we're going to preview five games tonight and then talk a little bit about the East Carolina UCF game at the very end. Um, so with that said, Jay, let's go ahead and look towards the first game here. And um, how about we start with uh, Ole Miss versus LSU, Jay, and uh, – you know, this is a game that, you know, you look at um, this game is going to be in LSU. Ole Miss going down into Baton Rouge and uh, three and a half point favor here. What are your thoughts? Well, I think this is going to be a great game. And I think both these teams, you know, have New Year's New Year's Day potential to be in a bowl game. Be one of those big ones. I, 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 I'm just a believer in LSU right now. I think they're going to go in there and cover. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's you know, Ole Miss up ranked up to number seven now at seven and zero. Oh. Um, you know, LSU sitting at around five and two, and you know, correction, Jay, on the line. Uh, let me just make a correction. This is LSU minus one and a half. So my apologies there. This is LSU minus one and a half at home. Um, so really. <laughs> You know, interesting, interesting game in that sense. Um, you know, I, I think just looking at LSU, they've been so up and down. You know, they had a really big win over Mississippi State and Florida. Then they dropped one, Florida State, and uh, really just up and down. So I just think Ole Miss, when it's all said and done, I think they're just going to be able to outscore them a little bit. So, you know, but I think, again, very close pick them type game. But I'm going to go with, with Ole Miss, buddy. I'm going to go with Ole Miss here. So you got you got LSU Jay. Okay. All right. Bubba, where we got next? 
All right. We got uh, here we go. Number 14, Syracuse, 6-0 at number 5, Clemson. Clemson's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, Jay. Very tough game to pick. What are your thoughts here? Well, I think this is a tough one, and, uh, you know, I, I think Syracuse has surprised a lot of people and shown a lot, and I'm not a big believer in Clemson to blow out anybody. But I, I do think this is one of those games Syracuse coming off of a big victory against NC State, even though they're down a quarterback. Still, they beat a ranked team. Clemson going home. I think they're going to go ahead and cover and, and win by 14 or more. Wow. So you like Syracuse to to lo- to win by 14 or more, huh? No, no, no. I like Clemson to win. Cle- by Clemson 14. to win by 14. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I misunderstood there. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you, this is a, it's a tough one because Syracuse, almost every game they've played this year has been at home in the Carrier Dome. And I'm really curious to see how they're going to respond when they, you know, they leave the friendly confines of of Syracuse and head down to South Carolina. And um, right there, I think that's a major advantage for Clemson. Syracuse is a funny team. Their defense is outstanding, Jay. I mean, they are really tough defensively. Their offense is, is honestly pretty disgusting. Um <laughs> It's really the type of offense yeah. where the quarterback just scrambles and makes plays, but they they find a way to put some points up on the board and they find a way to win. So um, I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm going to say Syracuse covers the 13 and a half. I don't think they're going to win, but I could see them losing this game by a touchdown or so. Yeah, well, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, that's a tough, a tough spread. It tough definitely spread. is. It is. It is. It, it'll be. I think that'll be a good a good battle. Um, you know, who would have thought, right? Syracuse number fourteen at six and zero coming into the season. Um, so yeah, so be that'll be a fun one to watch. Bubba, what do we have next? Okay, what's what's next? We got that one. All right, here we go. Number nine, UCLA, the surprise team of the season at six and zero. Jay heading up to. Uh, Oregon to play the number 10 Ducks. Ducks are a six-point favorite at home. What do you think here? Well, that's rough. That's rough. I mean, UCLA surprised everybody, and you think at home Oregon's, you know, going to have a big advantage, but then you look at the line play, UCLA, what they've been able to do. They're doing really good things, running the ball and stopping the run. I just think being at home is going to be big for Oregon. I think UCLA – this is their first big road test. I'm going to go with Oregon to cover and win by six or more, or win by more than six. Mm. Yeah, this this is a geez, another tough one. I mean, you look at Oregon, Jay. I mean, remember back to the first week of the season when they lost like 55 to nothing against Georgia. You know, I I'll be honest, I kind of wrote them off at that point, and all they've done ever since then is just rip off five straight wins and get themselves back up into a, you know, a number 10 team in the country. So they've been really good outside of that, um, that Georgia game. And then you look at UCLA. I mean, man, I, I say it every week. This is the surprise team of the season. Um, six and zero. they score, they score in the forties. It seems like every week. Um, and they've knocked off some good teams, you know, Washington, they beat um, Utah, which was a really good win at home. So they have a lot of momentum right now. 
this is going to be an awesome game. It's going to be high scoring. Um, whatever the over is, I, I don't even have it in front of me, Jay, but I, I, I you know, this is going to be, a, this is going to be a high scoring game. A lot of points. I think it's going to be somewhere like 45, 42 when it's all said and done. So I'm going to say UCLA covers the six. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think they will cover the six and, uh, you know, in a very close game. We disagree on everything. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, last week well, we agreed on a lot, right? I guess we need to hear what Bubba has to say since Bubba is undefeated on the year. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Uh, well, well, actually, thanks for throwing that up. Uh, the over-under for that game is 70, 70 and a half, Jay. Um, I'd be – I'd take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think it's going to be high scoring too. They don't play defense in the Pac-12. No, they don't. Bubba, I don't know if you're able to chime in here, but uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that game? If you can, and I know Bubba was having some uh, difficulties here, but here he is. Yeah, guys, I'm talking about UCLA at Oregon. Um, like Jay is saying, um, as far as Oregon's concerned. Um, you know, Oregon has really, you know, come on strong. And I guess it's, you know, I guess partially the uh, Pac-12 effect, if you will, you know, playing uh, out there. A lot of times you don't hear about it, um, depending on the game time especially. But uh, since uh, since that uh, route at the hands of Georgia, uh, they've really played some solid football. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do probably against their best opponent uh, since playing Georgia. Uh, and being there at Alton Stadium, it's hard to bet against them. But I do think that if uh, you know, I was putting any money on this one, that um, let me go back. What was that line? Uh, it was Ducks by six. I, th- I think I'm. I think I'm taking UCLA in the points. Okay. All right. So we agree on that one, Bubba. What do you think about the? Uh, while we have you here, what do you think about the Clemson game? Intriguing game. Clemson at home. Bringing in the Syracuse Orange men, uh, the line is 13 and a half. What do you think about that one? You think about this series down through the years. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, I think both in the Carrier Dome or whatever, you know, the former Carrier Dome, and um, I know this one's in Death Valley, but I think they've played them well a time or two, maybe at Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if the game was competitive and, uh, and uh, they cover that 13, but I could see it being a situation where, where Clemson maybe covers late and it and they ended up winning by by 14 or 17, something like that. So so I think that when uh, I think I would I go with Clemson to uh, to cover uh, in the fourth. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm alone on this one. I'm uh... I'm going with the Qs to, to at least cover. We'll see. We'll see. But but very quickly, Matt, um, go, going back to that um, UCLA-Oregon matchup, uh, you know, we've heard so much about Hendon, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Uh, how about DRT uh, out there with UCLA? Uh, he's he's had a heck of a season. Um, you know, Dor- Dorian yeah, – maybe I said that backwards, but, you know, Dorian's had a tremendous year for the Bruins. Yeah, they they've uh, they just continue to impress each and every week, and 
you know, I think now it's getting to the point where if they can go to Austin and, and win that game on the road, you're talking about a team that, you know, could potentially win the Pac-12 here. I mean, this is setting up, you know, potentially of a the end of the season matchup between UCLA and USC um, is going to have huge implications of not only the Pac-12, but, you know, possibly, possibly from the outside looking in, maybe busting into the top four. So and I knew that didn't sound right to, to correct myself very quickly. Yeah, DTR, D- Dorian Thompson Robinson, but uh, he's had a had a heck of a year to date. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's gonna be a fun one to watch. What we got next, Bubba? K State. Hold on, just. All right, we got Texas. Here we go. We got uh, the Texas Longhorns, number 20 in the country at 5-2. and two. At Oklahoma State, Jay, a 5-1 and one team. Longhorns by 6.5, Jay. Another tough one. Yeah, on this one, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State to cover. I just – being on the road, I don't know if I can pick Texas to win by a touchdown. Yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, I feel like the Big 12 is such a hard conference to pick. You know, these teams score a ton of points, Jay. There's very there's very little defense most games. Um, you know, you look at Oklahoma State. I mean, they're scoring – I think they're averaging like 43 points a game. Each and every week they're scoring high 40s. They do give up a lot of points too. So I think this is going to be a really – Really high scoring game. Here's the, uh, I have the numbers in front of me now, um, Jay, but offensively, offensively, points scored, Oklahoma State is number four in the country at 45 points per game. So they, they can score points on anybody, um, but Texas will score on them. So at the end of the day, I say, uh, I say Oklahoma State, because they're at home, um, I think they're going to cover this. I think they'll win it outright, too. I think they're just going to be able to score too many points for Texas to hang on. And I like Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy to get it done um, at home. So, with that said, Bubba, here we go. We got uh, number 17, Kansas State at 5-1. and one. Heading to number eight, TCU at six and zero. Horn Frogs are a four point favorite. Jay had to cut out here for a second, I think. Bubba, what are your thoughts on this one? Sorry, bear with me a moment. I takes me a moment when I was backstage where I couldn't chime in. Uh, but yeah, taking a look at this one, um, I, I really think and give me TCU. Last week I went with Oklahoma State uh, to to get it done in Fort Worth against TCU, and it looked pretty good for quite a while. And they had at least one, two or three score lead, but then TCU came roaring back in the fourth quarter, and uh, you know, K State's having a heck of a year, obviously, and uh, that one loss. 
um, you know, a note for um, Pirate fans um, that obviously came against Tulane uh, when they went to Manhattan and won. Uh, so that that victory for Willie Fritz and company is looking better all the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, Tulane, we shall see. You know, and it's definitely not uh, out of the realm of possibility for Tulane to make it to a to New Year's Six Bowl. But uh, as far as this one's concerned, I, I would go with uh, TCU, I believe, to, to cover that four. Yeah. Well, what I really like about TCU is Max Duggan, the quarterback. He, you know, he's – he's, uh, and I apologize for uh, talking over you there, Matt. I'm having some technical difficulties where I am watching Riley's football practice. <laughs> but but uh, Max Duggan, the quarterback for TCU, is having a heck of a year. And I, I just think that uh, the Horned Frogs are going to have a bit too much offense for the Wildcats. Yeah, I agree. And you make some great points, Bubba. You know, um, it, it does make me – when I look at Kansas State's record, it does make me think of Tulane first, handing them their only loss. And, <clears throat> you know, I think <clears> – not to get off track here, but I think Tulane, you know, right now when you look at the American, um, I think they're right there with Cincinnati. I think, you know, right now – at least right now, UCF is right there as well. The, any one of those three teams I think are very dangerous um, – you know, as we stand right now, but very impressive win by Tulane. And, you know, Bubba, looking at this game, the over-under is 56 and a half. And that really surprised me because TCU scores in the 40s each and every week, it seems like. I mean, they score a ton of points. Um, and Kansas, Kansas State can score too. Now, what I think is interesting here is that Kansas State is coming off of a bye week. So they had a chance to kind of get fresh right at the midseason point, which is really good timing for them. Um, and two weeks to prepare for TCU, who's had a very difficult schedule in recent weeks, playing Oklahoma State, Kansas, Oklahoma. Um, so I think you're going to get a really <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I think you're going to get a really fresh Kansas State team. And for the first time all year, I'm going against the Horn Frogs. I think Kansas State will cover – in this game. I'm not sure if they'll win, but I think they'll cover uh, in a very high scoring game. So another one down, another one down. What else do we got? Bubba. So we're looking here. Uh, I believe that's all five. Uh, you, and yeah. Jay, you and Jay had, uh, you and Jay had picked that, uh, the Ole Miss LSU game when I'd stepped away. And so, um, so that's an, another interesting one. We're seeing that a lot this year. There's so much parity. You see, number seven, Ole Miss, seven and zero, um, and they they did have a, they were, kind of pushed to the brink a, a bit there by Auburn. I mean, you know, Ole Miss um, really won a shootout in that one in Oxford last weekend. But there they are at number seven, seven and zero, and going uh, to Baton Rouge, and then they're a slight. It's basically a pick 'em, but LSU is a one and a half point favorite in that one. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a tough, a tough game to pick. Uh, you know, how about LSU, Bubba? I mean, they're a team that, like I said earlier, you just don't know what you're going to get week in and week out right now. Um, you know, but they are at home, so I think it's going to be another great game in the SEC. Um, so those are the really the big games of the week, and 
Now, Bubba, I want to just take a few minutes and turn our attention towards East Carolina and UCF. Um, it looks like the line, um, it opened at three, I believe. It's now about four and a half as of about a few hours ago. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this game, Bubba, as UCF comes into Greenville here? Sorry, I uh, was double-checking that line, and yes, it it has risen to UCF minus five, and that's closer to where I thought it would be, honestly. Uh, it surprised me a little, even with the game being in Greenville, when it opened UCF minus three, I thought it would be closer to a, a touchdown. Um, just like if it was in Orlando, you know, you, you always hear the home team gets two or three points. I would have thought the Knights would have been about a nine or ten-point favorite uh, if we were playing down at the bounce house. But I think as you look at this team, um, obviously the Pirates beat a solid Memphis team. But uh, when you look at UCF, they're just so explosive offensively. Um, John Rice Plumley coming over from Ole Miss, the, the dual sport athlete and uh, dual threat, um, he, he has really thrown the football well. And especially in these last couple games, they've put up a combined 109 points against SMU and Temple the last two times out. So they're seemingly uh, really starting to click on all cylinders. <clears throat> and, it, and it's a game. <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. This, sorry. This, this is what happens when, you, uh, when you're unexpected, unexpectedly doing a show while eating. But uh, – Something went down the wrong way. No, when you – yeah, when you take a look at this game, I think it's the Pirates are going to have to play much more sharp in certain aspects than than they have. Like you're not going to be able to dig yourself. I'd be surprised if we, you know, fall behind three scores against UCF if we're able to uh, rally and and uh, pick up the win. Uh, I just think that uh, we're going to have to be more sound in multiple areas in order for us to to be able to. To win in what would undoubtedly be the biggest win of the Mike Houston era, and what I started to say a moment ago when when I cannot speak is that I, I think if you look at this UCF team, that no, um, that their defense may, may not be as good as NC State, you know, at least from a just a raw talent standpoint. But I think when you take into consideration their offense and just their all around, just uh, I think they're probably just as good, if not better, than NC State. And I think this would be a heck of a win. I don't think. I know this would be a heck of a win on Saturday night if the Pirates are able to take care of business. Yeah, I mean, I think they're right there in terms of, you know, talent with a team like NC State. and But I think they're more explosive, like their big play potential. It just seems like every week they're just – they're finding ways to, to run off these huge plays on people and – um, so, so just a, a, an incredible, uh, incredibly difficult matchup for the pirates at home. Now I'm going to say something here that might surprise you a little bit, Bubba. I think defensively for ECU, I think we match up better with UCF than we do Memphis. And the reason why I say that is because right now, if you look at our team, our strength, the strength of this team is really stopping the run. Um, you know, we're very strong in the front eight. Right now, where we're struggling the most defensively is on the back end. We're giving up a lot of yards in the passing game. And Memphis is a team that really spreads you out um, and gives you a lot of different looks, 
you know, from an offensive standpoint, they really do a nice job. I'll tell you, I was very impressed with some of the things Memphis did last week to get the tight end involved on some delayed drag routes, um, really put a lot of stress on your secondary. So they gave us a lot of problems. And, you know, I think even though UCF has incredible playmakers, I think we match up a little better schematically with them uh, than we did Memphis. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I can see where you're going there, and uh, we'll definitely be talking much more in depth about UCF here in just a couple hours. Um, 8.30 tonight, we have the Pirate Preview uh, here on Tuesday night. As always, um, we will be joined by Trace Trilco from the Sons of UCF podcast and get his thoughts on um, this explosive Knights offense. And I talked about John Rice Plumley, and he has some tremendous playmakers and you know, guys that immediately come to mind like O'Keefe and also uh, Richardson. Um, but there are certainly others as well. And we'll hear about those as well as on um, the night's solid start, uh, you know, solid first half of the year, rather on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Johnny Gardner here on Facebook makes a good point, Matt, and uh, bringing up some of the, the variables of Johnny, you, you think you think maybe they come in a bit overconfident. First true road game, their only road game this year. I was down at FAU, and um, obviously the temperatures. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I'll look that up in a moment. But uh, on a Saturday night, the temperatures will definitely be colder than what they're currently used to. Yeah, I mean, I think Johnny makes Johnny makes a good point. I mean, you know, you never know what you're going to get. This is a huge road test for them. Coming into Greenfield, I think that's a good point, too, about the weather being a little colder. You know, you have a team from Florida. Um, so there, there's a lot to like, I think, about East Carolina being at home here. Um, you know, certainly, I think Gus Malzahn is the type of coach where he'll have them ready to go. But, but I think he's going to get our best punch. And, you know, I think, you know, I got to say, just looking again at last week, you look at Holton Ayler's numbers, 26 for 34, 304, one touchdown, and – the big one was no interceptions. I thought he did a nice job of kind of letting the game come to him and not forcing anything. I think he's going to have to do the same thing this week. He's going to have to be really smart. I, you know, turnovers against an offense like this uh, can be a killer. So I think that's something to look for. Can Holt Nailers stay hot? Can he stay efficient and, and not make that, you know, that crucial turnover in the wrong spot? Great points there. Um, you know, the Pirates in this game will, you know, I mean, this goes for, you know, most games, especially the ones against quality competition like a Tulane or a UCF. But, you know, when you you have on um, those turnovers, just like we saw with Memphis, I mean, Memphis is uh, an excellent team. And you saw the night that Seth Hennigan had, what, 27 out of 37 or something like that for 407. But he made those two crucial mistakes, the pick six and then also the – the pick by Malik Fleming that gave the Pirates a short field and quick score right before half. And uh, that was, uh, those were crucial in allowing East Carolina to make the comeback against Memphis. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, you look at Keaton Mitchell, Bubba, you know, that that's, I believe, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, but I'm about 99% confident that he's never had 29 carries in a game or anywhere close to that since he's been at East Carolina. You look at him last week, he was outstanding, outstanding. 29 carries for 149 yards. 
He averaged 5.1 with three touchdowns. But that doesn't even really tell the story to me. You know, when you look at those numbers, you know, okay, it's, it looks like a really good game. Maybe you're not blown away by it. But if you watch that game, he was unbelievable. He he really showed toughness in between the tackles. Um, I thought he ran hard in the red zone inside the five-yard line. And then how about the ability, Bubba, you know, you look at the two-point conversion, the ability to make people miss in the open field. I mean, he carried this team in in in, in some ways on, on Saturday night. Yeah, looking over the numbers, obviously his carries had been down uh, the three previous games. Obviously, he did not play uh, against uh, against South Florida and and then against Navy. He he played a half, and then you know he was still coming off that injury down at Tulane, where I think he had you know eight to ten carries. But uh, yeah, that twenty nine is far and away his season high, and I think you're probably right as far as a potential career high and you know those first three games of the season the the most carries he had uh was 18 and i believe that was in the that was in the old dominion game where he ran it 18 times for 160 yards yeah so i mean that's that's a heavy workload you know you throw in the fact that he also had what four receptions for 28 yards um you know, you get it. I mean, you get what Mike Houston was trying to do, right? And Donnie Kirkpatrick, they're basically saying, hey, we're in a game right now. We're missing Rajay, our number two back. We're in a game right now that we have to win, absolutely have to win it. And he basically said, hey, we're going to put this thing on Keaton's shoulders and we're going to give him touches. And is that a recipe moving forward that's, that's great for Keaton and the team? Probably not. I think if he gets that many touches – for several weeks in a row, he's probably going to get injured, break down. But that's certainly not a knock on Mike Houston. I mean, he he knew what he had to do to get that win, and he rode Keaton Mitchell. So, you know, you, you like to see maybe hopefully this week Marlon Gunn can get a little bit more involved, at the very least, just to give Keaton a break, maybe keep his carries around 20 or so, so for the game. Yeah, and going back and watching some of that game, Against Memphis, I mean, you referenced those big plays, um, because, and I say plays, not just runs, because in the third overtime, when the Pirates were in a desperate situation, he caught that ball out in the flat and made the guy miss. And it was a guy, I mean, you, you could really, the Memphis guy, I mean, Memphis had exactly what they wanted, and, and Keith Mitchell made a play, and then, I guess prior prior to that, uh, the the run he had going to the boneyard. Remember where he ran to the to the right sideline and made, I think, what three Memphis defenders yep. miss. I mean, he showed his acceleration to get the corner, and then and then he cut back at least once, if not twice. And so, just heck of a night for Keaton Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, you, you really can't say enough, and. Like I said, I don't think the stats really tell the whole story. And, you know, when he first got here, I thought that the way I kind of saw this playing out for him was that Rajay would be the in-between-the-tackles guy. Keaton, I, I thought – I kind of saw him – we, we all knew about the great speed, but I saw him more of like a scat back. He was going to get a lot of receptions out of the backfield, work outside the tackles. But, man, he has proven he's tough inside the tackles. He's durable. 
Um, and, and he's he runs physically too for a smaller guy. So you got to be impressed there. And um, and then what can you say, Bubba, about Isaiah Winstead? I mean, he just shows up every week, nine receptions for 154 yards. Um, you know, I think to have a chance to beat UCF, you, get, you have to start, sort of combine all these things. Holt Naylor's playing great. Keaton and Isaiah Winstead's another guy. He's going to have to have a big day. Yeah, third time this year that uh, Zay Winstead eclipsed that 100-yard mark. And, you know, he's he's been exactly what the Pirates hoped he would be. And he has 52 receptions for 719 yards now through seven ball games. And and um, as many Pirate fans have probably seen on social media or on ecupirates.com, Zay Winstead is on the Blitnikoff watch list for, for top receiver in the nation. That's amazing. I mean, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, he went into the transfer portal. He he knew he had one year left and he's got hopes of playing in the NFL. And, you know, he certainly made the right decision coming here to East Carolina because he's been featured in the passing game every week. He's been very productive. He's made, he made some great plays. So he was a, he was a hell of a pickup by Mike Houston and the staff in the off season. But um, so with that said, Bubba, all right, so you're filling in for Sunhalter here. Jay, Jay had a, a work issue come up, guys, so he had to bounce. But so, so you have to make a pick for Jay. So uh, again, <laughs> UCF. I'm putting you on the spot. UCF, a four and a half point favorite in Greenville. How's this going to play out? Uh, I think <laughs> you know, you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> I always, anytime I hate to go against the Pirates, and I never, I'm really not, I'm not a betting man anyway, and I would never actually bet against the Pirates. But if I'm, uh, you know, just if I'm uh, having to make a pick in this game, I, I think I would take UCF to, um, to cover that five points. I, I don't think it will be. I mean, I think it'll be a competitive game, and it would not surprise me at all if the Pirates come out uh, victorious. But uh, just based on what I've seen of these two teams to date and in the way UCF is really seeming to um, put things together offensively, especially in the passing game, and we know how we've struggled to defend the pass. So um, I think in order for the Pirates to win this game, you know, multiple things are obviously going to have to happen. But you, you referenced the turnovers earlier. I, I just think in order for us to win this game, that um, we're going to have to to win the turnover battle by probably at least a couple, if not three. And then when we had those extra opportunities, you know, we have to really capitalize in the red zone and we can't have some of the miscues and we've had, you know, up to this point. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great point. I mean, especially within the kicking game, right? And, you know, I have to say um, I liked – Conrad coming in last week, I thought he did a a nice job for us. Uh, I thought his kicks, he looked confident. I thought he had good good power. Even if you look at his extra points, I thought he had some good power behind those kicks. And, um, you know, Larson obviously continues to struggle as the holder. Uh, had another miscue last week for a missed extra point. And those are, those are killers. I mean, hey, we were able to win that game. But if you make that extra point, all right. Now you now you don't have to go through all that mess at the end, you know, 10 overtime. So 
Um, that that's an area I think we need to at least at least. Address. Yeah, at least at least possibly. You never know how it's going to play out, but it. You know, if nothing else, I mean, depending on how things would have gone after that, um, if it would have been a made extra point, you never know. You know, Memphis may have to go for two, and then maybe they tie it up, or you know, you know, or maybe uh, it's a situation where where you have a a two point lead, um, because that you know, just you never know how the game's going to play out after that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to recall exactly what. Because I guess that made it seventeen thirteen, right? So yeah, I mean, who, who knows on the way? But um, you certainly would have loved for the, that possibility to be there to to uh, ha- have that point that you missed because you didn't catch the snap. Yeah, and it really puts the coaching staff in a tough situation because now every time you're around the fifteen ten yard line going in, it really. Di- affects how you're going to call the game. If you don't want to use your field goal kicker, now you have to call plays differently. So it's definitely an issue. Last week we were able to get through it. Um, Hopefully it continues to get better. But uh, I'll tell you, I was holding my breath every time we had to kick an extra point. No doubt. And um, Craig Doucette chimes in from Virginia on Facebook saying, I think Dapper would have had just as good of an outing with the kicks made in that game. And he thinks Garcia should hold, you know, we had heard last week on um, freshman wide receiver, Brock Spalding, that he would probably see action as a receiver. And we heard that he was at least one of the holders, if not uh, number two on the depth chart at holding. So uh, it will be interesting to see if Luke Larson is in, indeed the holder once again this week or if it's Brock Spalding or or someone else like Craig mentions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, uh, what is Mason Garcia? He's got, what, Bubba, three games left uh, potentially that he can play in without burning the red shirt? Yeah, I was, I was, I was looking, looking at that or, you know, thinking about that situation. And, yeah, Mason – the only game in which he played was, of course, Campbell, where where he played, I guess, in the last 10 to 12 minutes, a, a large percentage of the fourth quarter at least, you know, five out of seven, 39 yards for Mason Garcia in that game. So, yeah, he has those three games to play with um, out of the Pirates, remaining five or obviously hopefully six with a bowl game. So it's going to be very interesting to see how um, Coach Houston and staff elect to use those threes because I, I really think that, I mean, I understand, you know, certain situations like why he hasn't gone in. Uh, for instance, I'm trying to remember if it was maybe a situation in the Tulane game, but it, it was a late, a late half situation. It may have actually been against Memphis, but a situation where Mason Garcia, you know, has a little bit stronger of an arm. You can throw it farther than Holton. But you're not going to use unless it's the game's on the line, and you know you you know good and well that Garcia can get it there, and Holton can't, and, and you're going with the hail mary, then and then sure you're going to burn that game for for one play. But in that situation, uh, you know it's probably the wise thing to do to if you didn't have any other intentions to play Mason to uh, to hold off, so he you know. Re- 
retain that game and, you know, we had the opportunity to play three games down the stretch without burning the red shirt. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely a, a an interesting situation. And But to Craig's point, and I know exactly where Craig's going with it, and maybe, maybe Craig, what we'll see is in the last three games, um, Mason will step into that role. But it's, it does put the staff in a predicament because they're trying to preserve that red shirt. But I think it's a really good point by Craig. Um, and just to, just to tee off on that really quick before we get out of here, um, it became really apparent last week that Holton – is his, that shoulder is becoming a major issue. Um, and, and it seemed five or six occasions, Bubba, he got up after running and taking a hit and that it looked like that shoulder was hanging on by a thread. So, you know, Mason's going to need to be ready to go because, you know, I mean, you, you certainly hope Holton can, can find a way to uh, gut it out. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a gutsy kid. He, you know, he, he's playing hurt. You got to give him credit. The kid's playing hurt. And you can see it, but from Mason Garcia's perspective, if Holton goes down, that red shirt is that thing's going to get burned quick, and he needs to be ready to go because you know that I could I could see a situation where Holton needs to come out. Yeah, as far as Holton's concerned, you think right there, maybe it was our first touchdown there late in the second quarter, but um, we're going toward the Murphy Center end zone and. You probably recall this, Matt, uh, seeing it on the, the video board, and that was the grimace on, on Holton's face You know, yeah. when, when he jumped up. Right? And you could tell that shoulder was really bothering him. And I believe I heard someone say that uh, you know, he got one of his teammates <laughs> on, the, on the sideline even before he got to a trainer to, to pop the shoulder back in. But you could yeah. tell he was in pain and you – know, you know, hats off to him. You know, this is his swan song, and he's doing everything he can to to not have to leave the ball game and you know just put his best foot forward for this football team and program. And you know, nothing but a tip of the hat and so much respect for Holt Nailers. And that's why I think, in addition to just having played the the position and knowing, you know, how you're going to get too much credit and too much blame when, when there have been those decisions where Holton wishes he could have them back and uh, no reason to rehash some of those. Um, but I know, you know, like just for instance, like when, where he, he threw across his body against the Memphis or it, against Memphis the other night. And that was one that we really held our breath on. And, you know, we fortunately saw the ball fall incomplete, but, um, by and large, you look at the decisions and the plays that Holton's made, you know, coming down to what his fourth or fifth read on that throw to keep Mitchell in the third overtime, and and then the throw that he made to C.J. Johnson down in the boneyard in the fourth overtime on that back shoulder throw. Uh, you know, he had to put it right on the money as C.J. was getting uh, interfered with and still made the catch. And, and then the, the play that Holton made, Coach Houston referenced this today, his weekly press conference, or, or maybe it was Monday night on his coaching show, just saying that the the play where Holton kept it on the read option down at the Murphy Center in that that was a that was something that was set up because of Holton's film study and his experience, just recognizing what Memphis was doing defensively and knowing that uh, that end was going to crash and and he, he could have uh, 
obviously walked into the end zone. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you know, the one play you cited, Bubba, where he kind of threw across his body there, I really think that was a result of him. You know, I, I think if he was healthy, he would have run on that play and tried to plow right. his way into the end zone. I think I think that's a result, and that's where it's kind of hurting him a little bit. You hate it for him. Uh, you know, we got away with one there, but uh, I think if he was healthy, I'd love to see him run more, but that's not the case. But Craig Doucette says, but what a baller diving for the end zone, knowing – yeah, exactly, Craig, exactly. I mean, you got to give him credit and um, say whatever you want about Holt Nailers, but the kid, you know, the kid shows up, the kid plays his ass off every week. Uh, he works hard and, you know, and, and, and you know, you got to respect somebody that plays injured. So, uh, like, like, and as frustrating as some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Bubba. Oh, no problem. Sorry. I didn't mean to have some lag there, but, uh, just a little bit more about Holton. As frustrating as some of those handful of decisions have been, you look at his numbers and just the way he's, the way he's improved. I mean, he's completing right at 70% of his passes. Right now, he's 68.5% as far as his completion percentage. He's thrown for a little over 2,100 yards, 17 touchdowns, and five interceptions. So, you know, some people say this and that, um, and I understand their frustration there in the heat of the moment, but on the whole, Holt Naylor's has had a heck of a career and a heck of a season, and hopefully he'll continue to uh, – be able to stay in the game and overcome that shoulder injury. Yeah, he, he he's somebody that needs the bye week in the worst way, and um, I think that'll really serve him well when we get to that point. But the bye week comes at a tough time this year for for East Carolina. I mean, um, you, you know, it just it just doesn't come at the halfway point where you need it sometimes. Get this team healthy, but it is what it is. I mean, you just have to kind of fight through it, and uh, that's where that depth comes into play. But all right, Bubba, we've gone long here on this, but the final point I wanted to make, or at least ask you, you know, the crowd against Memphis was a little sparse, I thought, but the people who were there, I thought, made some, you know, made it very loud at the end of the game. Really hoping for a better turnout this week against UCF. How many people do you think will have, you know, actual butts in the seats, you know, this Saturday night? As far as what I think we will have, I would yeah. say it will be – I think it will be probably right around 40 or just shy of 40. In my opinion, you know, and just being – I say being realistic. Just um, – I think we we should have, you know, as big of a crowd as we've had this year outside of the NC State game. I think we should have more like 44, 45,000 because you think about it. UCS five and one. This is the last time they're going to be coming to Greenville for who knows when, and and that's not that's not talking anybody up. And then to give credit where credit's due, um, they're they've been an excellent football program, uh, you know, with the exception of a season or two over the last decade to um, to fifteen years, um, with what George O'Leary accomplished there, with obviously um, Scott Frost, Josh Heupel. And so this is undoubtedly, you know, Pirates take care of business on Saturday night, going to be, be the biggest win in the Mike Houston era. And, I mean, it's not even close, in my opinion. I mean, you do have that SMU win, um, but with what this win would mean, getting to 5-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in the American, and, you know, setting up a, 
so much momentum going to Provo the, the following week. I just, I really, I really think you know, and, and know Pirate Nation needs to get out to Dowdy Ficklin on, on Saturday and be that 12th man and create an atmosphere that will help push this team over the top and, and um, get the biggest win that this program's had since at least about 2014. Yeah, it's great points, great points. And I'm, I'm hoping we have, you know, at minimum 40. I really am. I hope we can get over that 40 mark and, and, and like you said, really cause some disruption for the offense for UCF. But, uh, hey, with that said, Bubba, we've gone pretty long here, buddy. Uh, Jay had to uh, – he had some work-related things pop up. Thanks for hopping on in a pinch. Um, we're going to be uh, together again later for the Pirate Preview. Bob, anything you want to mention in terms of uh, programming here? Yeah, just, you know, if you're watching us live now on YouTube and Facebook, join us at 8.30 tonight for the Pirate Preview as we'll, as I mentioned earlier, be joined by Trace Chilco, the Sons of UCF podcast, and we'll get an in-depth look at uh, Gus Malzahn's ball club on the 5-1 and one UCF Knights. They're tied for 28th in the AP poll this week. Uh, so, you know, just tune into that. And then uh, last night, Jeff Connors had another excellent show. Go to our YouTube channel and check that, as well as all of our other programming out. Um, tomorrow night, we'll be um, we'll be on the air at seven o'clock with Pirate Breakdown with Sutton Young, as he'll catch up with uh, with the East Carolina student. A little bit different show tomorrow night, but it should be good with Sutton. And then um, on Thursday night, we'll have the inside slant. On Friday, we'll have a Pirate's Life for me. And then obviously Sunday, we'll take a look back at UCF with the Pirate Football Playback presented by LK Custom Homes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and appreciate you mentioning that, Bubba. And just to plug Coach Jeff Connors' show here, uh, former, former coach of mine, one of my favorite coaches. And uh, he's, he's, he's getting some great guests, some really interesting guests. So, if people haven't had a chance to uh, tune into that yet, I recommend it because he has some pretty, pretty awesome guests, uh, some in-depth interviews there. So I uh, definitely recommend that. So with that said, buddy, Hey, let's, uh, let's go on ahead and, uh, and get out of here. We'll, we'll wrap this one up. You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at The Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.